gonna need a bigger boat. This is the Outside Gate with Steve Hall on the L4 Media Network, talking US moto and anywhere the conversation goes. With us today from Main Event Moto and Orange Brigade, it's Daniel Blair. Let's bring him on. Dude, how are you? I'm good. What's happening, man? How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. Thank you very much for uh, for coming on the show. Um, I'm uh, I'm as happy as a dog with two dicks to have you here. The uh, you know it's um, you're a uh, a big part of the inspiration of why I'm doing this show. So uh, that's uh, that's pretty awesome. So it's the off season, man, and uh, I know that you've talked a hell of a lot about um, you know season twenty three. The silly season, all that sort of stuff, yep. and so uh, we actually spoke about it earlier. We're going to uh, do things a little different, um, and we're going to get a little deep. The uh, if the conversation does lead to uh, the silly season, we're just going to roll with it though. So I've got a few questions, but mostly the show is going to be just sort of pretty organic. So awesome, let's go with it. No, and you're right. Um... You can talk moto till you're blue in the face. Eventually, you start saying the same thing over and over. So we're in that period of the year where, like, other topics are kind of cool right now. We'll rev it back up in, like, December. But, man, it's like, let's get into some other stuff. I'm into it. That's it, man. That's it. Hey, uh, so my first question is, so successful Supercross racer, successful uh, front man of a, uh, of a band, successful entrepreneur, successful TV host, and already a very successful coach. Um, for people looking at DB, it looks like you've kicked every goal in life so far. <laughs> um, but I'm sure there's times where you failed at things, man. Tell us about when you failed and what you learned from that. Man. <clears throat> You do want to go deep, huh? That that's <laughs> diving straight in, man. Dive yeah, not even ease me in, man. Dang, right. let's go there. Let's go there. Um, you know, the truth is, is um, you know, success or failure is really defined later. You know what I mean? Like obviously in a dirt bike race, the winner wins, so you know you're successful. Um, you know, the, in sports, there's winners and losers, there's success, there's fail, all that stuff. But I feel like if I look back at all those little things that I've done in life you don't really know until way, way later if it was a success or a failure. So I would say that my racing career was a failure at the time for sure. I, I mean, I, I definitely, I, I hold a lot of regret just the way I went about it. I don't feel like I gave it my all. So there's a part of me that looks back and looks at it all as a failure, but in reality, where I am right now in life, that was a huge contributing factor as a success, you know, being a racer and being a privateer and getting to be a factory guy for six weeks and, racing supercross arena cross traveling all over internationally like it felt like a failure at the time because i didn't get where i wanted but it was such an important chapter to where i'm at now that it was really successful so um i look at that uh with my business too you know i'm my roles right now in life are changing but my history with eagle grit no i never took eagle grit the business as far as i wanted to and i sold it before i could and maybe i feel at times like ah, i kind of failed i could have gone further with that but in reality 
the things that I was successful with in that business is helping me right now with what I'm doing now. So it was a successful chapter. So I feel like a lot in time, a lot of times in life, you feel like you come up short, but then you look back 10, 20 years later and realize that, no, that was just contributing to where you're really going. And it is a positive chapter and a successful chapter. So, um, right now I can tell you like the TV side feels a little bit like a fail because I didn't get where I wanted to be. It's not where my goal was. I, I had a set goal. I didn't get there, but I feel like I'm going to treat this one. Like I maybe should have treated the last couple, you know, things in my life as, Hey, this is going to contribute to the next thing somehow in some way. So it is a successful chapter, even though I maybe didn't reach the goals I wanted. So I know that's a complicated answer, but you gave me a complicated question. So I, I feel like a lot of things were fails, but they are contributing to my success now. So gives me a different way of looking at it. You know, if you look back. Yeah, I think that's a great way of looking at it. Um, you know, they say, you know, like, uh, time, time heals everything. And, uh, I guess that's a little bit the same there. Whereas you, you look back, you know, like, um, maybe when you're, you know, when you're racing, you know, you wanted a 250 title or, or whatever your particular goal was at the time. And, um, you know, that when you went to Geico that you thought, you know, this is the big break and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, looking back and, and I, I guess a bit of perspective, man, of, of, you know, how many other dudes would have, would love to have that racing career that you had and, you know, that sort of thing. And how many people have tried um, business ventures? I mean, the percentage of business ventures that, that start up and fail would be, would be massive. You know, yeah. it would be the, a huge percentage of all businesses. Yeah. Uh, so you're sure. with Eagle grit and that sort of thing. Um, I mean, from the outside looking in, I mean, yeah, your, your TV stuff was a massive, massive success. Uh, as far as other people looking at it, I'm sure if anybody disagrees, well, then we're going to have to fight. So just fucking hit me up. Let's go. <laughs> Let's box. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so, um, and then also too, you know, you got a lot of new things going on with it is, um, if I've got the name right, next level one oh one. Yeah, next level 101. I, again, I this this I guess builds off your question. You know, right now my role in life is to manage amateur racers at KTM Husqvarna and Gas Gas, which means my success for them and my ability to help them find success will come off my own experiences. So again, those failures that I may have experienced in my own racing career, they're going to lend a hand right now for this chapter of life. That, that's going to be some data I can pull from to help this chapter go well for a lot of other kids. Next level 101 is the same kind of thing with for me is I, I, I love racing. Like at the, at the core of core, I love the sport so much. I want it to grow. I want people to enjoy it more. That's why even on the broadcast, it was always steered directly at the fan. I really wanted them to like it. Um, it's part of my nature. You know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I, I want people to be happy. I want people to be stoked. So now I'm in a position at next level as a coach where I've got beginners coming in and they just, they want to learn how to jump. Or you have a novice kid coming in who wants to make Loretta's for the first time. Or you have a B kid coming in who is like wanting to win minios. And I'm in a position now to get to help them achieve that. So I, it, to me, it's like I'm in this these roles right now where I'm really getting to give back in a lot of ways. I give back to these really fast amateur kids as well as beginners and vet riders that want to come and be coached. And I feel like it's it's perfect timing for that where I really I'm passionate. I'm motivated. I want to be back at the track myself. I'm riding again. Um, and if I'm in a position where my job is to help other people succeed and use the experience and the knowledge that I've gained and all these different crazy things I've done in my life, 
then that's what I want to do. And that's where I want to be. And that's where I'm finding the most fulfillment. I'm telling you right now, I've had kids come across the finish line at big races and the feeling I get, it's a better feeling than I got when I did well. Cause I think I had a lot of pressure on myself. So I never even enjoyed it. Um, even the best nights of TV were always nerve wracking. I guess I've never really felt that type of fulfillment that I'm getting right now in my role because it's not about me. It's, it's about others. It's, them pulling from my experiences so that they can succeed and when they do it feels so good so uh it's just just perfect timing in life sometimes it's you know square peg square hole everything lines up and right now i'm exactly where i need to be and the experiences i've had in life are going to contribute to uh helping others find success and that's that's what i want right now so yeah man like um i know um we've spoken about it before so i, I know that you do love that sense of of helping the, the youngsters um just a massive amount of like you just touched on a massive amount of um you know fulfillment as you said you know the good vibes just the warm fuzzies of having these kids come along and and you help them and being a part of their success mm -hmm. um i know like i i um i've had a, a couple of times where i've had opportunities in in different jobs i've done like a million different things different jobs there and um i've had times when I've been able to um, help develop younger people mm -hmm. and that was by far one of the most enjoyable things I've ever done um, and even you know um, you know at a uh, at a, at a uh, just an event in in the bush where I live you know um, I always put my hand up to help out the kids you know yeah. sweep ride the junior kids and that sort of thing because um, it's just such a buzz the energy the little buggers you know just they're so fucking pumped to they be are. there on their dirt bike you know so yeah it's, cool. um, it's, it's definitely a different feeling too when you watch it from when you lived it because <laughs> it was stressful as a kid man i was like but now i see a lot of these kids they go through the stress too but i really enjoy the ones that really try hard just keep gritty keep fighting through and they're having having a blast you know it's that's their their way of staying out of trouble and i don't know it's, it's it's a cool sport so to be in a position to be able to help people not only make it but just for some kids, it's staying out of trouble. You know, it's just riding their dirt bike, staying healthy, doing the physical activity. Dude, I, I love that kids. I love that kid's path too. And I'm glad, uh, grateful to help with that kid. So now you're, you're right. It, the energy that they have makes it cool because they're, they're into it, dude. They're into what we already love and know. Right. And they're just getting into it. So there's kind of like this feeling of like, all right, let me show you all the way. So you can love the sport that I love too. You know? Yeah. That, um, the, the energy and the feeling when you get a, um, uh, uh, like a, a heap of, um, you know, 50, like 50, 65 age kids lined up, ready to go. And they're just like, they're fucking bursting. You know, they're just bursting. Like their, their little hearts are, uh, are having a harder time than their clutches. You know, it's just like, oh, yeah. let's, let's go. It's a, it's a, it's a really, really great feeling. That's it. Yeah. Hey, um, with these kids, um, different you know every kid every person learns differently um tell us a bit about you know your approach with the different learning styles of these kids you know some kids some kids you've got to tell them once some kids you're going to tell them you know six times before they get something you know um some kids um want to see someone else do it some kids just get it straight away just from a, a little conversation yeah tell us a bit about that well, I'll give you a very recent example. So this past week I had three of my elite amateur riders 
um, come to me for three days to ride supercross. They'd never ridden it before, you know, new suspension, new super, new, new thing, new sport for them. And, um, man, I was blown away after the first day I was driving home. I was just smiling kind of like to myself, like, wow, like they all were different. They were all so different. They were, this one was good at this. This one was good at that. And this one was good at that. And they, it was crazy how they, it all equaled out. They were all so close, but man, I left there with each one needing such a specific thing that you got to go work on now. Like for one, I, and I'll leave the names out of it, but kid, kid one, unbelievable skill on a supercross track, like unbelievable talent, but the ground speed, not there, like literally not piecing it together fast, but just unbelievably like talented next kid never done big jumps in his life. So all the big jump stuff, kind of a little spooked of it, not too bad. But then whenever we were on the ground, just absolute shredded, like the fastest kid there. Then you had one that was literally like a little off of each one at their strength, but kind of in the middle, but then kind of had his own strength, like late in the moto, he got faster where the others maybe didn't. So he left with an identity of, Hey, you need to get going quicker. Like your job is because you're, you're, you take a little longer than the rest. So it's funny because each kid will expose their experience, their temperament, um, their skill, and in weird times, obviously on a motocross track, it's different in different ages, different bike sizes. But once you get into the big bike stuff, man, they all come in with what they're good at and they all come in with what they're bad at. And the most important thing is to identify it and be like, okay, you need this, you need that. And you need this because if you just as a coach or as a manager do like a one size fits all, well, no one's really going to benefit because that means it's my way that they're having to mold into like, all three kids, you need to mold into what I want or what my vision is when really I need to mold to them and say, you need this, you need that, and you need this. And that just comes from being able to identify it. And, um, and like you asked, like really treat each kid different because some can get things really quickly. And if they get things really quickly, then you got to be like, okay, so you're one of the early birds that can get the stuff. Okay. That means you're probably very talented. You're probably skilled. You probably rely on that which means you're probably a little lazier on easy parts of the track because you're good at the hard stuff, which means you probably take the easy stuff for granted. Boom. Easy to identify. Saw that this week. Then there's one kid that's like, man, I don't really like all the gnarly stuff, but when I'm on the ground, I'm going to go fast because I'm comfortable there. God, dude, that was easy to see. And that tells me, okay, that kid just needs more experience and time doing big jumps. That's it. And you can do them slow, but he don't really need to go and worry about how fast he is on the ground right now. His, his identified weakness. Very easy. So, you know what I mean? You it, it comes down to really watching each kid and seeing what they need. Um, and we can get into some other coaching theories because I, I do have some that I'm working right now in the moment on these kids that's working um, that kind of goes along with this question. But, yeah, I guess it comes down to first really being open-minded to the fact that as a coach, you need to mold to your student. And with that comes the idea that each student's different and is requiring different attention and different instruction. And that's hard to do when they're all together, but that's, if you really know, if you know what you're looking for and you're, you're, you know, when you work hard as a coach, you could really figure it out quick and get these kids the best knowledge they need. So that's, I guess that'd be my answer for it is it's more on the coach than the writer to figure that out. I love it, man. Yeah. And absolutely. Yeah. If you want to talk more about yeah, these coaching theories, just hook in, man, go for it. I'd love to hear about it. Well, the one that I'm, really working on right now again is the you know the the, the the diversity in every rider they're all so different you need to mold to them and you need to make sure that you're catering to their strengths and weaknesses and but they're all different right so that you're, you're constantly processing all the riders and what i've learned by doing this is like man this kid rips that corner and he does it that way this kid does it a completely different way and i'm watching and i start thinking you know what there's something to that 
Tomac, Cairoli, Dungy. Like, give me the give me ten legends. They don't look the same. They don't ride the same. They do things different. Their suspension's all different. Their gearing's different. It's because they're different. Okay, well, if you're a young kid and you're 10, 11, 12, 13 years old and you're at a facility and you're training and you're trying to get better, that's your goal. One thing you're trying to do is you're trying to identify who you are. You want to find out who you are. You know what I mean? Like, what kind of rider am I? Um, but the way to find what kind of rider you are is to try to be like all of them. Ride like Cairoli. Ride like Tomac. Ride like Dungy. Ride like Stewart. Ride like Jet. Like, learn and do all of their things. And that'll help you find out who you really are. Like, if you're like, oh, I really like Ryan Villapoto. Okay, that's good. Well, then watch film and then go and try to ride like him. Sit down where he sits down. Excel where he excels. Shift where he shifts. And then go watch Jet Lords. It's completely different. And go and do that, too. That way you can truly find what you really are. Because you might think you're a Villapoto type, but maybe your riding style is more of a Jet Lawrence type. And you just didn't know that. So what we do, one of the drills we do at our you know, facility is say there's a gnarly deep you know, corner with ruts and choppy, whatever. Well, I'll have them go through it on the pegs and just rip 10 in a row on the pegs, fast as they can go, feet up on the pegs. Then I'll say, all right, now do 10 with your leg out, and I want you to take your leg out 20 feet before the corner. Totally obnoxious, but you know, just I want to see how, that, how it feels. Then I say, okay, I want you to stand halfway through, then I want you to sit here and drop the leg. Then I want you to do it here, but you don't drop the leg. So see how I put them through all the different ways you could do the corner. They do all of them, but I make them do it fast. Then when they're done, I say, okay, one by one, which way did you like it? And every kid is different. Every oh, I like to sit the whole way. Awesome. That kid, I like to stand the whole way. Awesome. The truth is, is they all work. There's more than one right way to ride a bike. There's multiple right ways to ride a bike. You should be good at all the ways and then take from each to create who you are. And I do that in every corner of the track. So all these kids can rip every way but they're learning which way is their way. And the good thing is now if you go to a track where their way maybe isn't the best, well, at least they've been practicing the other ways too. So they can fall back on maybe this track I need to sit more. Maybe this track I need to stand more. But I constantly make them do all of it so that they are like good at all of it. You need to be good at every way of riding. And then when you're on your own out front leading the race, man, do you, do you but you need to be able to draw from all of it. So that's one of the coaching theories I have, and I, it comes from diversity in the riders. They're all different. So instead of running from that and trying to make them all one-dimensional, I'm actually trying to make all of them more like five-dimensional where they can do everything on the bike. So that's Do you have any kids that um, – do you have any kids that that uh, look like they're growing into a little bam-bam? <laughs> I, got, I got a kid at the track right now with long blonde hair, and a kid, kid's a little <laughs> ripper. Um I've got a kid on my big bike roster that's got those vibes. Why is that your is that your guy or, or no nah, no? I just I just reckon it'd be cool. That's all. I could I could see you you know in your job saying like oh this kid's he's he's got he could grow into a little Bam Bam or this kid could grow into a little Anderson and and I got it. Like they're all different. They they all have little vibes that I pick up little things. But one of my one of my riders right now has got some Cooper Webb vibes big time. No, nice. very crafty, very, very smart racer, race craft, knows how to play the field, a lot of awareness, um, has a chip. Like it's very it's like I even told him, I'm like, God, dude, you're like a freaking clone. Uh so I got one of the, I got one of them and I got I got another kid that I, I told people he reminds me of Davy Millsaps a little bit. He's young, he's big, and it's coming to him early and easy. And he's gonna be in there probably younger than most. And He's weirdly mature for his age. So, yeah, I, I do pick apart certain tendencies that riders have that remind me of guys from the past, but uh, they're all a little different, though. They all got their own thing. 
is the little Millsaps guy, is his, is his mum throwing things at him and, and like <laughs> yelling at him? That. No, no. No. You got any crazy? What what about the parents? Oh, no, you can't say. You couldn't say. But um, the um, one thing I used to say. I, like, hey, there's what I'll say. I, 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 I'll answer your question. <laughs> right there's on. a wide range of parents. There's a wide range of parent. There is your, I don't even haven't even maybe spoke to this year because everything's fine. They just, they just cruise along. And then there's the ones where it's not that the range is unbelievable. When you have like 20 something kids on the roster, you deal with every type of parent, mom, dad, grandpa. I mean, dude, it's, I no details, man, but it's wild. Yeah. And some of them would be the best people you've ever met in your life, and some of well, them, they all are. some and some of them, some of them maybe not. Yeah, yeah, but they, uh, they all are. They all are to me because they're moto parents, and they're 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 yeah. young, and they don't know what they're doing all the way, but they're trying, and they're, dude, it, it's a scary sport. It's an expensive sport. It's a passionate sport, and these parents, man, they give so much. They they just they they put their whole life on hold for these kids, and with that comes a little crazy, man. I mean, dude, you, I mean. The time and the money invested puts you on edge and all the parents are a little on edge, but honestly, they're all, they're all good and they're on edge because they care and I care. So it's hard for me to knock them. You know what I mean? It's if they were obnoxious in another way, we'd have a problem, but they're obnoxious in care and passion and want for their kid. And so I'll work with that. You know what I mean? It's, it's tough, but I, I, the crazy parents to me that they, they crazy want it for their kids. And so do I, so we'll make it work. Yeah, I guess, um, in 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 sports, especially high level sports, um, emotional outbursts and things like that are just—it's a lot more acceptable, isn't it? Because it's a because of the pressure cooker. Like, you know, um, if a, if a, if a mum or dad loses their shit, or or a rider loses their shit, or whatever, um, it's easy to be a lot more forgiving than if they than if they did it at um, than if they did it in the queue at Walmart, for instance. You know, <laughs> like. Because you're in a pressure cooker, everyone's emotions are high and that sort of thing. Yeah. I look back, you know, um, like my um, my I, I never raced dirt bikes until I was an adult. I, I rode as a kid, but yeah. So my dad wasn't into into moto; he was into car racing, and um, and I, I did that a little bit as well. And um, I can remember some of the ways I would crack the shits, and some of the ways I spoke to my dad. If something was wrong with the car and things like that, I just think I'm just ashamed, you know. And if that was in the backyard, he would have clipped me. But yeah. because it was in the heat of a race day, he would take it because he knew from his experience that that I was stressed, you know. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's it's a lot more forgiveness, I guess, in that um, pressure cooker situation, yeah. isn't there? Yeah, it's brutal, but. All sports have it too, man. You, you, you know, football parents, baseball parents, but it's the same. I mean, I mean, Tiger Woods with golf. I mean, you heard his story. His dad was gnarly. I mean, I, I think the gnarly parent exists um, in the sport because again, they, they, they commit so much, you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're all in and they want to go right. And it's very fragile. It, it, it doesn't go right more than it does. And they all know that. So it's, uh, it's stressful, but at the same time, like I said, it's, you get into it knowing that you're, they're not, you're not caught off guard by it. You know that the sport's that way and they all know that it's that way and they sign up for it and things go bad and they come right back because you know what, we're all psycho and we love it. And 
anyway, it's just a, it's a crazy circle, but I'm just, I'm pumped to be in the middle of it again in, in a whole new way, but uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I'll bet, man. I'll bet. Hey, um, what's your, what's your current goal? So you're in, you're in this job and you love it. What's your current goal? And also like, do you reassess your goals often and that sort of thing? I, I'm sure without even asking that you're a guy who does set goals. So uh, because of the way, you know, the things you've achieved, you must be a goal setter. What's your goal right now and, and how often do you reassess? Short term and long term. I, I mean, I've always been that way. I, I always have a big goal and a little goal. Um, the way I've kind of always lived my life is it's a silly saying that I live by, but it's macro patience, micro desperation. So on the big picture, macro, big picture life, um, I have a lot of patience. I know things take time. I've learned that, that things don't happen as fast as you want, but we all humans, we want it now. It doesn't happen that way. And then I also live by micro desperation, which is I try my very hardest every minute of the day. So I, I, I attack life like it all needs to happen today, but I live my life knowing that it won't and it's going to be a little bit. So that balance has helped me kind of like juggle goals and, and, and how to reassess short-term ones and then how to really just keep your eye on the big one. Um, so I guess I'll give you two on the big picture goal. I won't be judged for this for a long time, but my ultimate goal is five, six, seven, four, five, seven, who knows when this can happen is I want the 250 class and supercross and motocross to just be all the kids that I, came through me. That's it. I mean, it's, 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 it's for them obviously, but it's for me too. I'm not going to lie. I, I want that. I, I want yeah, of course. from a competitive standpoint as a racer, instinctual racer, I want to be the best. And I know that my job as an amateur team manager isn't to win amateur titles. It's to help the next generation of KTM Husqvarna and gas gas rider develop properly at the end of amateur so that they can go on to win pro titles. So really I won't be judged for years because my kids won't be in the time for, I mean, we're talking 28, 29, 30 before my kids are really in their prime. So my goal in the short term is to just get better at scouting, get, just get better at being a team manager, get better at getting their bikes better, get better at getting them better, get quicker at organizing, you know, issues that go wrong that need to be fixed quick. You know, I, there's so many little things that I have to do every day to be a better team manager, which will allow me to be better for them so that they can help me accomplish my long-term goal, which is them dominate. <laughs> so that's what I want. And that's, that's what I'm chasing. Like if, if someday there's a supercross in 27, eight, nine, whatever. And I walk, look up on the podium and it's my three kids that came through me as amateurs game over, man. I won. I, I, I won my race. That's my race is I want that. So I've never really had a specific one, but let's just, let's just make it now. We'll see what happened right here on your show. I want to sweep the podium at a supercross or an outdoor, and I want to all three be kids that came through my amateur program. That's Anaheim twenty twenty eight. Is that about right? Mine are gonna start getting in there. We just got a couple, twenty six, seven, eight. Let's go nine. Twenty twenty nine. Yeah, give me a couple more years. I got a good batch of kids coming. I, we just dropped in Juju and Casey. I got another couple. Let me fatten up the field a little bit here before we put too much pressure on this podium suite. Yeah, All right. twenty nine. Is Tiger Wood one of them? Actually, no. He's actually not on the roster. Uh, oh, no, he's not on. He's not on the team. Uh, okay. Okay. It's our subject. I'm. I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask about that one. And I'm not ready to get into it just yet. But no, I, that's uh, all good, man. Obviously, yeah. Obviously, I'm a Tiger fan because as he's, much a, as I he's love, a little Aussie. 
as much as I love uh, my job, there are a couple things that are really hard and accepting certain things uh, is very hard. It was hard last year when I lost Dax Benick. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's hard on this one with Tiger too. So it's a fragile Fragile top. I'm ready to go deep, but I'm not ready to get into sensitive. Topics. No, that's all right. I, I didn't realize that Tiger wasn't uh, <laughs> there anymore. Otherwise, I wouldn't have said it. <laughs> no, it's so all good. Hot. It's all good. Hey, while we're talking Aussie kids, I've, I've I've DM'd you about this kid, Byron Dennis. He's the one you got to put him in. Just just pencil down, Byron Dennis. I've got Please an. I mean, I'm already. I got one right now. I've been working on. I got the relationship going. Kid's been getting ready for Supercross, and the damn tough block got yeah. him, man. Caden, yeah. Well, Byron won this year what Caden won last year. He was MX3 then? Yeah. Yeah, he won the MX3 outdoors. So So um, where's he going next year then? Yeah. Well, he'll be in MX2 next year. Yeah. He's a a gas-gas rider. Um, And I'm I'm, I'm not sure. I'm assuming he'll still be with gas-gas. You know, I wouldn't think they'd want to lose the guy that just won MX3. So, yeah. Uh, big tall kid, big big long legs. I got another um, one. Um, the kid that won the eighty-five class at round one, Jack Nunn. Yep. Um, he's actually going through the process and preparing to move to the United States, and he's going to be living uh, by me and going to our compound. He's going to be training at our facility. Awesome. So that's supposed to happen. It's obviously not the easiest process, but that's all in the motion. But yeah, he'll be uh, he'll be joining us soon too, which is cool and. I mean, I was excited to see him win that race because, you know, they took it real serious. They were practicing for it. He, he got to go and do some TV stuff for it. So I know there was a lot of hype around it. And for him to get stick the one on the board, I thought that was pretty rad for the kid. So what did you think of the Adelaide Supercross? It was cool. It was like a big American arena cross, kind of a yeah. hybrid. So um, I know I knew going in it was the small of, smallest of the three. Um, yeah. But it was good. It's racing. And that's what a lot of people just – I had a recent conversation um, with an agent who, you know, has uh, everyone's got their opinion of the sport and what is good about it, what's bad about it. And I had an opinion about the amateur racing scene in America and how it was lackluster. It wasn't good. And I, and I thought about, you know what, there's there's flaws. But the most important thing is that you have good competition all in the gate, like good competition in a field with two cones it's going to be some good racing. There's a lot to learn even in that. I mean, I'm telling you, seriously, put two cones up and put the 10 best 85 riders in the world all on a circle track and you're going to learn some shit real quick. And yeah. so for me, I'm not a big, I, I I believe all racing is good. All racing is worth it. So even though that one of the three was the smallest, least, whatever, that was a real gate drop with real competition and the results were the results. So I, I'm a big believer in that, even though that track to me was more on the arena cross side than supercross. Yeah, definitely. I watched it close and I judged it close because I don't care if there's a gate and a checkered flag, it's real. So I, I, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, well, it was a bit for, – for someone my age, like when I was a young fella, that all – that was Aussie Supercross was, you know, um, they were all little – they were all basically tracks on tennis courts and basketball courts, which yep. is essentially like that's a, that's a basketball arena. Um, for us, yep, same thing. Yeah, and um, and that sort of thing, and you know, like I, I I remember seeing one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. I saw Jeremy McGrath um, race in, in Melbourne at at, um, at Rod Laver Arena, which is so basically Santa Quarter where the Australian Open tennis is. That was you know where where he where he, we saw him there, and um, you know, I, I remember watching the old Reed Pastrana video. Where was yeah. that at? Oh, at 
Yeah. Oh, Travis was jumping all over the place. Chad had to have been yeah. so fresh. I'm not sure. Not sure. That that was probably at a bigger stadium by then. By by sort of Chad no, Chad nah, Chad would have caught the tail end of the Supercross Masters where they, they were doing all it the was. Um, yeah. where, where they were doing all the, the smaller tracks there. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard, man. Video, like, that video pops up every once in a while on Instagram and I, I always it's I stop and watch it. <laughs> yeah. Like even back then it was hard hard for you know, especially like we're all where I grew up, we had two TV channels, you know. So, and I think by the time that stuff was going on, um, we might have had like four. And like, so it was, it was hard, man. Like a lot of this, a lot of, a lot of um, races, you know, I've mm-hmm. seen them years, I've caught up on them years later. I only read about them in a magazine, you know. So, right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, hey, man, what, um, what does DB's day off look like? So no moto, no nothing going on. What's DB's day off now? I'm I'm tipping that this probably only happens like once every three months or something. Um, you might sneak one in where you're just like, oh yeah, I got I got the day off. What's that looking like? A day off for me. This sucks, man. This is talk about just a mood kill here for everybody. But a day off for me is catching up on all the things during the week that slipped through. Uh- <laughs> That's not really a day off. It's then. not. So like Sunday, like this Sunday, I have like tomorrow, you know, for me, it's it's Friday night here. Uh, we have a ride day tomorrow at our track. It's a fly racing ride day. Damon Bradshaw is going to be there. Weston Pike's going to be there. Um, we got all of our students. I mean, we the, the place is packed in right now. There's so many students that are just rolling in right now, getting ready for minios and futures. Like the environment is good at the track right now. So Saturday for me, I'll go out there and just have a great ride day. Sunday is my full off day. And I'm like, finally, Oh, I can't wait. And what I will do is I will spend probably a couple hours going through my inbox on my personal life and catching up on all the things that slipped. Then I'll go through my KTM one, even though it's a weekend, I know it's a week it's off. It's off to me. I know it's off, but it's a chance for me to get caught up so I can start Monday normal. So I'll go through that for a couple hours. I'll probably wash both bikes, work on the bikes, get all that done. Um, got a podcast Sunday night. This Sunday night, I have, you know, I think I'm having Michael Lindsay on the podcast or Michael Antonovich, one of the two, the next two weeks. Um, it's not off, man. I, I mean, I really don't. I, I guess for me, I, I've learned right now that I don't like day off. I like day on. So for me, a day off is just cleanup day so I can get back on it. You know what I mean? Like Monday morning, I want to be on the gas again. I want to be super productive. And if I am buried still from the week before, then, then I'm, then the whole thing falls apart really. So I'm just not really in a place where I can have a full day off, you know, just do you, do I, you, I gotta catch up on stuff. So. Almost sounds like you don't need it then because you're so invested in, in how things in life at the moment in, like your, your life and, and your passions and all that's all sort of intertwined, you know? So it's not like you're, you're at a, a um, you know, it's not like you hate your nine to five and you need that day off and that sort of thing. Yeah. I get no, what you're saying. I, I, and I, I did after, after Eagle Grid, I was super tired. I was, I was burnt out. Like I, that job that wore me out. Cause you know, there was two of us running that business and then it turned to one. And when it went to one, dude, it, it was, it was super heavy. Um, so when that soul and I moved here, I had a good month, man. I golfed every day. I, my life revolved around nothing. I did whatever I want. I just nothing. And it was cool. And then within like a couple of weeks, I was like, 
I feel a little purposeless. Like I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, it feels good to not have stress, but I don't really feel good. You know what I mean? I guess I didn't feel bad, but I didn't feel good. And I realized that I need to chase. I have to be chasing something. I, I'm it's, it's wired in me as a racer. You just want to, you want to chase something. So for me, again, a day off to me is, is, is actually just a chance to clean up everything and get ready so I could get back to it. Cause I really like being on the gas and being on it, but I don't like being buried and I get buried sometimes. So yeah, I, unfortunately for my wife and kids, there is no off days right now. It's not the time for it. Do you, do you ever, um, go on a, uh, like a, you know, I'm sure you do. So like a, a you know, a family vacation, a weekend away, a long weekend away with the wife and kids. Do you get like, um, can, can you relax in those situations when you get away from everything? Yeah. 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 I mean, kind I mean, well, kind of, I did, I did this year, um, right after Supercross, we went to Dollywood amusement park. We went to a water park. We did a whole family thing and did dinner shows and all that stuff. And, uh, it was actually, it was, really 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 good um for me at that time because of the timing of it and you'll 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 appreciate this and know the timing is this is the day after i made the announcement that i was done with tv jacob hayes so, or jacob hayes <laughs> do you hear jacob calling yeah yeah that's all right man we'll just oh, leave that in you. that's funny yo what up you there yo you're on a podcast right now in Australia. I just want to let you know. I am? Yeah, I'm recording a podcast right now, and you're calling. We're live on the show, and you're on it. Say something Hi, cool. Hi, Jacob. What up? What up? Say something cool. Ten uh, seconds. Good <laughs> that was pretty lame, right? Hey, we were, talking about you, we were talking about you on the first episode of this podcast with RH22. Uh-oh. Hopefully good things. It was good things, actually. He, he spoke highly of you. Yeah. Yeah, RG2 uh, is, is a pathological liar, so that makes sense. That's good. <laughs> uh, I've gotten accused I've gotten accused twice this year, uh, both times in a hotel elevator. I don't know uh, what, the, what the crossover is there, but I've gotten accused of being Australian twice this year, um, and I've had to show them my ID, and then they still didn't believe me um so yeah i don't i don't know what's going on with that steve what's up jeez i don't know that's i don't know i can't i can't hear an aussie twang in your voice there i don't know maybe maybe you're hanging around the fucking lawrence brothers maybe you're picking up a maybe you're picking up a few words and a bit of a twang there i don't know or his dress code maybe no dress code normal um (laughs) i i would say the australian uh mates or the locals um are a bit a bit gnarlier uh when it comes to the the skinny jeans and you know stuff like that the young blocks are you you? yeah oh yeah no ozzy steve you hear this you've seen yeah no the young blocks are yeah the young blocks a lot of skinny jeans and and all that sort of stuff yeah not uh not myself i'm a bit old for that but uh (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I spent a, I spent a lot of time with the the Aussie mates, so maybe a little twang here and there. But uh, I'm on the, the East Coast right now, so I probably lost it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh... no. I was calling to tell Daniel. Um, you know, he's meant to be at a at a at a race, a big 
local race here in, in Silver Valley. I thought that's what his uh, his job was, was to scout talent and, um, you know, see see what is really out there, especially, you know, on the East, these, these East Coast tracks and um, really support the community. But he's not here, of course, so figures. Hey, now I feel bad that I'm keeping him from – there could be a there could be a kid there that is the next fucking James Stewart and DV's going to miss him because he's on my uh, my little podcast. All I know is that if uh, if there's any kid out there that doesn't beat Jacob by at least 15 seconds, I'm not interested in him anyway. So. <laughs> oh, in all fact, right, well, I'll let, uh, I'll let you go. But, I'll Jacob, let... I just nominated you as the next guest. On the, oh, uh, on the outside right. gate. So you're next. Look at that. Oh, That's dude, we it, got man. The, yep. Aussie Steve, we got the relationship with me, the one with Tutu. Jacob yeah. raced what? Australian Supercross for, what was he, he on? Jacob, what was the team? Circo. Yep. So he's got stories from there, dude. He Jacob is buddies with Crawford, who I know crushed it this year. Like, yeah. Hey, was, was, um, was Johnny the truck driver when you raced at Circo? He oh, yeah. Run. He's a legend. He is a yeah, legend. He's a, he's a very good man, Johnny. Very, very good. Yeah, he man. Is. He's just got to print my fucking Ranthal stickers that I've been waiting for. That's all. <laughs> but he's a very good man. Now nah, I've got all to remind hey, him I'll about connect, that. I'll connect you boys. Jacob, you can come on next. Yeah, radio. Sounds good. Later. Later. Yeah, so Jacob's in a um uh Jacob's had a local race here in the Carolinas because he's from North Carolina. So he comes back for this race or when there is big races like this. And uh, it's an AB shootout, pro purse, big money kind of thing. And Jacob has a good chance of winning, but there's a lot of good dudes like that here. But my riders were going to do that race at one point and go race it because it was A and B. And then just because of Supercross, their schedules changed. So I'm not going now. So nah, Jacob's right. going to probably check in to see if the schedule changed because he knows the boys would come and give him some. So he was that was more of a check-in call, to be honest. He just wanted to make sure that we're not coming. Just wanted to see see what yep. the competition was like. Yep. Uh, that's the that's yep. the go. So you're you're South Carolina, yeah? I'm South, yeah. But I live in a place called Upstate, which is like the upper part of South Carolina. So I'm not far from Charlotte. So it's yeah. actually very close to I mean, I'm less than an hour from North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of a lot of Panthers fans. No, more college in my area. The Panthers, honestly, oh, like they're one of those ones that don't like. I think the college teams outdraw the pro team around here. It's a lot like that in the South, isn't it? Yeah, football. I mean, college. Dude, yeah, South is, I'm, I mean, I'm 30 minutes from Clemson, so it's like, yeah, it's it's all Clemson around here. Yeah, now I could talk football for the rest of the show, but we better not because this is a moto podcast. So, right. <laughs> so I, I do. I, I, I love I love a bit of American football, but um. Yeah, okay. Um here's another question. So what are your what are your values that you see in yourself and see in other and, and admire in other people? So if, like for instance, for myself, honesty, authenticity, um, grittiness, grit, um, and and also humbleness is things that I like to um pride myself on and also appreciate that in other people how about yourself are you asking that more as like just a general person to person question or more as a racer uh, as a person 
Yeah, as a person. As a person, I well, you know, this is this is crazy. I just saw a meme about this on Instagram, and it was like, when I was fifteen, I had a thousand friends, and when I was twenty-five, I had a hundred, and when I was thirty-five, I had ten, and now I'm forty-five, and it's my dog. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, that's I. I saw that meme today, and I kind of laughed at it because. I've gotten to a place in life right now where I have a lot of acquaintances because of all the different things I do for work and life. Like my phone does not stop. But what I look for in like a friend, like to actually be like a friend friend, it's it's compatibility. So it, I don't generally need someone to be like me. You know, I if I work a certain way and you don't have to work like me for me to respect you. You could be a different work type of work ethic or a different style of work ethic. We could be actually different in like a hundred different ways, but when we're together, if we mesh and we get along and we complement each other and we make each other better, happier, more fun, whatever, then to me, that's like someone that would be like a tight friend for me. So like being producer Joe on the podcast, you've obviously listened to us forever. Joe and I have this very, 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 very strange relationship where we're different in so many ways but we so respect each other and we click so well that to this day, we have never even been in like one real argument. Like we're business partners, dude. We're business partners and friends. We've never been in one argument and we're extremely different, but it's a high, high dose of respect both ways. Like I respect him. I, I look at him like a legend. He's free to me. He's like on a pedestal to me. And I think I am to him too. So there's so much respect across the board that even though we're not even alike and we don't even think the same on everything, we just click because it's respect and compatibility. So um, I'm learning that right now, even with my coordinator, the, the girl, Maddie, she works for me at, at KTM. She's, she's my teammate in this. I look at everyone like teammates, um, but she's the coordinator and she reminds me of my wife in a lot of ways. Like she's way more relaxed and calm than me. She kind of mellows the situations out. She cruises through. We mesh like really good in our job. Like it's perfect. Like she helped. And it, so I'm learning that wherever I go and whoever I meet, I find people that maybe are different than me. We might not even think the same, act the same personalities, but if there's a common goal and common respect and there's a mesh that's what I guess I'm looking for is someone that I can actually truly, truly mesh with. And, um, I guess, I, yeah. And I'm learning that more and more over time. Jessica Patterson, who's my partner at next level. Like we're like peanut butter and jelly. Like we just like, we, we complement each other perfectly and we're not the same. We're way different, but it works. So that's what I'm finding right now. It's find the people that you mesh with that you connect with, um, you work well to, uh, together with, you respect and try to build your life around being with those types of people. And I feel like I'm finding that right now. I mean, I look at the people I just named. I just talked about Maddie at KTM, Jessica at Next Level and Joe at Main Event Moto. Those are three most important things in my life. And I've found three people that I just mesh with like pretty freaking perfectly with. So I really yeah. like that answer, man. Yeah, it actually, that, that's actually <clears throat> really good answers are ones that sort of make me think. And make me, you know, you've made me think and 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 question how I look at um, people sometimes, you know. So that, I mean, I, uh, I have people right now that I'm politically on the opposite side of the fence with, religiously on the opposite side of the fence with. I can list ten more things, and I'm super close with them because we mesh well, and they respect me, and I respect them, and we just we live we live on the the respect uh, we live in the respect bubble. We don't we don't 
go into topics that would cause us to disrespect each other because we don't care. I don't care if you're different than me politically or religiously or whatever. If you're rad and you're cool and you respect me and treat me good and I connect with you, then shit, you'd be my best friend. I, I don't care. Yeah, I, I'm certainly like that. You know, I um, I have um, people that are, you know, some of my favorite people have completely different political views to me. Yep. And, um, and, We'll talk, we can, you know, some of us, we can even talk about it and we're still fucking great mates. You know, I'm a bit right, they're a bit left and and we just fucking discuss things and, and whatever and I, and we, and I was, you know, still one of my best friends. So, you know, and uh, and some family like that too. So, yep. yeah, that's... Um, Same here. That's it, man. Yeah, you don't have to... Um, I, don't, I never have to be... Um, I've never, ever been a very much an individual i've never been um like um i'm on this side so you have to fucking be on my side i actually hate that shit you know too, like, uh, you know why because whatever because that's just too stubborn you yeah. gotta be you gotta be open-minded because whatever you know right now is all you've learned to now like there's yes. more stuff to learn like i always laugh at people they're like man you used to think this way and now you think that way you're a flip-flopper it's like no i learned something i learned more i learned something different like you're constantly yeah, yeah. learning. If you're not learning, then what are you doing? So if, as long as you're learning, you're you should be open minded because you're always going to change when you learn more information. So yeah, man, like that's there's some great examples of that. Now we're now we're getting deep. There's some great examples of that. Like there's a um. Have you ever heard of um? This is on get. It's not really getting in dangerous territory because it's a, it's a great outcome. But there's a a guy called the Black Klansman. Have you heard of him? There's no. a book and and documentaries and that. This guy, like, bra like the bravest motherfucker of all time for a start. He he obviously was a black guy who who infiltrated. Um, that's not the right word. He somehow, through the size of his fucking massive nuts and his his bravery, got involved with the clan, and he actually changed the mind of several young dudes in the clan who and and some of them are his friends now and they because they'd actually been brought up that with the beliefs from their you know family that the, the black guys were bad and once they met this guy who was just showing them love and just wanted to be their friend and just wanted to teach them and all that they questioned everything and they were like what the fuck's going on like this guy's a great guy and he actually changed them to to leave the clan and you know become a better people so that's, it's um, it it yeah it's funny um when you have like misperceptions or what, whatever it is it's it's funny when you actually look at your your life the people you usually have the most problem with are the ones that are the most like you <laughs> so i you know what i mean like i feel like all the issues i've ever had with people are like similar to me so those are the ones I don't like, <laughs> the ones like me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just funny how that works at the end of the day. Usually when you when you dig deep enough, you find out that the things you don't like about someone are usually the things you don't like in yourself. Yeah, well, that's – and that, that comes true – that comes <laughs> true through your kids, man. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's the, that's the absolute of that, yeah. <laughs> There's your kid comes and he's like – That's like when, you know, like I – um. I'm a fucking massive smart ass, you know, and I, I spent all my life curbing my smart ass side because I just, I would piss too many people off. And, um, 
my young bloke has got the same thing and he's mm. the only person I reckon oh, I'd have to have a, a real good thing but I think probably in my whole life he's the only person who's ever been able to push my buttons and fucking roll me up and he uses the same techniques that I would use in other people Right, right, right. And, and it was just like, fuck, and he used to do it. And he did it instinctively as a little kid. He would be just like, look at me, and he'd just start pushing my buttons to roll me up. And other people thought it was so funny because I'm almost, I'm, I'm, you, know, you can't ruffle my feathers, you know, but, but he could. And then there's things about my daughter too where it's just like, what the fuck? And it's like, yeah, well, she's <laughs> fucking got that from me, you know? Well, and that see, that's the funny part for me is me and my son, we used to butt heads super bad and then he you know as he grows up you start realizing who they are and i realize he's like my wife he's like a carbon copy of her he's exact so as soon as i realized that i was like oh i know how to deal with you <laughs> i know how to deal with her me and her get along great so me and him dude our relationship's gotten way better once i realized that he was more like my wife and i was like oh let me just adjust the way i treat you and i did and now me and him are like best friends because he's like her um but he did, and when he was young, he had some traits that were like me. And it was like my mom would always say, if you don't like that, it's what you get because you did the same thing to me. And I'm like, man, that sucks. I'm sorry. Like, because he's struggling. <laughs> that's, that's it. There's an interesting uh, thing that I've um, I've seen and heard it a few times about fathers and sons. How there's like these, these phases, you know, like when he was little, you're his hero, you know? Mm-hmm. And then as he's starting to, you know, grow his muscles and grow his moustache and, and all that sort of thing, then he st can start to look at maybe challenging you a bit as like... 100%. That's yeah. exactly what it is. And then once he gets over that, um, then that's when, I guess, when the respect and the, and the, the humanity sort of lands where he's like... You're not necessarily his hero anymore. Well, you're always his hero, but not in the same way. He, he can see that, you know, dad's not perfect and he tried so hard and that sort of, you know, respect and humanity comes in as as um, your son grows older. And it's so perfect for me and my dad, you know, definitely my hero. Oh, we butted heads like all fuck there because, like, he was a – my dad was a pretty young dad, you know, mm -hmm. and so he was still feisty. When I got to teenage years, he was still like a feisty aged guy, mm -hmm. and um, and then but you know since then I've grown up and not not as much of a fucking idiot anymore. And then and then he mellowed, and then yeah, yeah for the last twenty years we're best mates. So you know what I think it is too. Thing. It's a couple of things. Number one, I, I think it's natural in in like a in a boy hitting the teenage years. You, you know, all of a sudden the testosterone's kicking. You start getting kind of that cocky vibe right and i think what it is is that in our in our dna naturally like we're we're meant to like lead our own herd you know what i mean like yes. he's eventually gonna lead his family he's gonna be the, the the dad of his family he's gonna have his wife his kid he's meant to lead i think the kids when they start getting the testosterone kick they they it's natural for them to start taking over and be the leader whatever well guess who's in the way i mean get the one person in the way in the house is dad so all of a sudden the guy that's like in your idol all of a sudden is like, that's the dude in the way for you becoming like your true. Again, this is all DNA, man. It's just, it's yeah. in you. It's in your, it's in you. It, it starts kicking. You want to be the man of the house. And the one man in the way is the man that's dad. That's and it. it. And I think like as blokes, 
as yeah. blokes, we're still we're still closer to animals than the, the, the girls have. The girls have separated a lot more than the blokes. You know, oh, that's, yeah, what, that's what I always say to my kids, like, and especially I say to my daughter, like, dude, dude, we're still fucking animals. You know, like, oh yeah, we are. We're just we're like we have, but we have technology. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, he, uh, yeah, my son, he, you know, he was challenging too. And then what I, I just had to educate him without combat and tell him like, dude, all I care about is you being successful. That's all my, my judgment as a dad is going to come to what you do next in your life. And I'll, if I tell you anything and you don't want to hear it, you don't, and you don't like it, whatever, just know that my intent is 100% for you. If it wasn't for you, you know, what you would get is nothing. You'd get silence and you don't. So if I'm talking and I'm teaching and directing and chewing you out when you need whatever it's purely because i want to make sure that you're okay when you get older and uh i think just having like some real open conversations like my son's really he's a pretty smart kid like he, he he's a thinker so you tell him that and i think he realized like yeah you know what dad's gonna be a little bit of a butt and he's gonna be in the way a little bit but he really is trying to make me like a good adult so instead of just fighting with him and just battling i've said all right let me stop let me tell you what my intent is here dude my intent is to help you be like a thousand times more successful than I ever could have become. That's all I want for you. So everything I do, it's for you. And I'm, I expect you to challenge me on it. But at the end of the day, like, make sure you, you know what you're looking at when you're looking at me. It, I, I'm an ally. I'm not a hurdle. I'm an ally and I'm, I'm going to let you, I'm going to, trust me, you're going to hurdle me. I'm going to let you hurdle me. I'm going to force you to hurdle me. That's my intent. So look at me that way. And, and he does. And that's why we do. We're like best friends. He's 13 years old and we already get along good because he knows I'm making things happen for him in life through, yeah. through fatherhood. You know, it's cool. Sounds like he's sort of gotten over, gotten over that um, challenging state pretty quick, you know, um, which is, uh, which is uh, cool. Well, like, you know, I may be five foot five and I may walk with a limp, but Dads have dad strength, dude, and he he knows he he knows he knows well. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I still do. You still I still sometimes just um, look at my young like my young bloke's way bigger than me. Sometimes I'll look at him, especially if he's busy being a smartass, and I'll be like, "Righto, it's time we'll get some sixteen ounce gloves, so we don't you know get get some sixteen ounce gloves, so so there's no injuries, and we're going to have to fucking go for it. You know, it, it's time." And he'll just laugh. But sometimes I think, oh, I'd fucking really like to do that, you know. Like, uh, I, well, get I, some headgear, some big gloves, and it's just like, right, yeah, I, I told, I, I told Evan that too because he's big for his age. He, you know, again, he's like my wife. He gets her, her side of the family has a bunch of six foot somethings, whatever. So he's got he draws some of that out. My daughter's just like me. She's just she's tiny. She's just like just like dad. But Evan's big, and I, I've been telling him like. Dude, there's an American tradition that you need to know about, son. But when a when a kid overtakes his father in height, they fight. It's like it's a tradition goes back <laughs> centuries. I didn't create this. I just I just have to respect the rule. So we're gonna probably have to fight here pretty soon. You're about an inch away, and I know you're gonna be like 40, 50 pounds lighter, but that's just a bad draw for you. So he's got this thought in his head that soon here it's gonna go down like we're gonna have to get it on and just you know american tradition uh the funny part is though is i have had to like remind him a few times just in like wrestling you know what i mean because he, he comes up to me and he'll chest bump me a little bit and get physical and i have to every once in a while do the old five seconds on your back and on the ground like reminder that like that i can snap my fingers 
and I got you. And he, within 10 seconds, whoa, he knows, like, okay, I ain't got nothing <laughs> on that yet. I'm not there yet. Uh, so, no, I, I love that part of the relationship, though, is just the father-son, the camaraderie, the, the playfulness. And, again, we, we've gotten to a good point now. Um, before, he was just young and hard to deal with. But now he's he's my bud, so we can talk crap, and I can, you know, I can, I, can, I don't know, treat him, treat him like different. It's, it's, it's dad friend, um, but dad first, and it, it's working pretty good. We're having a, we're having a good time, and. Uh, get along awesome and he's being a great kid so it's working and he's an entrepreneur yeah he's god man and, and i mean you know obviously he's 13 so that young but that means yeah but we're teaching him which means that we're me and his mom are doing this with him and like so we're having to do it. he can't do nothing on his own yet so mm. he's learning and we love it but we are having to do it <laughs> you know he can't drive to the post office and ship out all the stuff on ship out day he can help yeah. pack it and write thank you letters and but he, he so he's an entrepreneur but mom and dad are having to execute this thing at the moment while he just is he's just a puppy he's 13 you know he don't he's not ready for it yet but just learn that's all right i've got a star young t-shirt on the way so yeah got one on the way i think it's actually yeah it's get, getting sent to um i think you didn't have there's no international shipping i think on you on where's it going young uh was sending it to triple deuce's house oh and then cool. he was going to on send it to me so nice or 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 pick it up or, or bring it to me at a1 or right or whatever right. when i finally get over to the states so i know, I know. how about that are you, are you excited or what oh i'm fucking pumped man i can't even believe it to be honest like hey you know, like, i'm not a, i'm not a well-traveled guy even in my own country you know so I've probably only seen, I mean, Australia's a fucking big joint, but I've probably only seen um, a quarter of my own country, you know, let alone going to another country. What are you going to do on that flight? Hey? What are you going to do on that long old flight? Man, I I guess, I don't know, what do dudes do? Read books? Like, give me a chance to read. I've got about four books that I haven't read because I haven't had time. Um, read books, I suppose. And that sort of thing, yeah. I don't know. I'm more worried about um, the um, like I've got to move, you know. Like when I'm um, when I do my so I do my own paperwork. I have a paperwork day where I do my paperwork for my business. And even when I'm learning all this this shit here, mm -hmm. um, every now and again, I've just got to get up and go out in the backyard, just fucking walk around, you know. The the sit the sitting down for so long that's the you know yeah. that's the that's the thing like I'm I'm, I'm gonna want to get out in the oils and do some fucking push ups or something you know like yeah, you know do some great. fucking uh, walking up and down the oils and that sort of thing which I don't even know if you're allowed to do that but anyway oh dude hey what hey when you're out in the middle of the ocean all thirty thousand foot up you have a lot of freedom there's not a lot they can do. <laughs> What are they yeah. gonna do to throw you out? I yeah, think you yeah. can walk the aisles just fine, bro. What are they gonna do? Yeah, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, hopefully, yeah, uh, hopefully I got an aisle seat or something. I can't even remember how. I mean, it's all, it's all. I got the cheap, the cheap stuff. You know, it's um, it's news. It's a what is it? New Zealand, New Zealand Air, whatever they're called, the Kiwi airline anyway, which is like I think it's like the highest rated safety airline in the world or something. They're they're pretty good. That's um, good. And there's stopovers in New Zealand both ways. We're at Auckland. Yeah, at Auckland, which will actually be sort of nice, you know, because it just um, 
it takes a sort of a five hour, I think, chunk out of the out of the if it was direct, you know, you got sort of got that a break. So there to um, LAX, which the, the only thing of the whole trip I'm not looking forward to is is getting in and out of LAX because I've heard that's a, that's a pretty shit spot. So. Yeah, but you'll be so excited. I mean, yeah. you'll, you'll take it better. Now, if you did it for the hundredth time, you'd be like, this sucks. But for the first one, dude, you'll plow right through. Mag, mag, red. Yeah. Sorry, I have red button in my wife. Red button in. What the hell is red button in? It's when she calls and I don't accept. Like, if you just uh, let it ring, then they'll think you're not available. If you actually red button, it, that's the old no button. Not talking now. So I'll be getting a texture in 30 seconds, probably with some anger. Yeah, you'll be in, in deep shit. Are you in are you always in the shit? Yeah. Our relationship revolves just around the depth, me. Are you? Yeah, always in always. With my wife, I'm always in trouble a little bit. So when things are yeah. good, I'm I'm in trouble a little bit. That's yeah. that's good. Those are those are good. Yeah, it's never perfect. Good for I us. Actually, um, I did a chart at one stage. Um, I can actually see it's over the other side of the room there, but I can't turn cameras and shit here. I did a chart that said, um, "Dad's in the in the shit depth chart," and I had a one to ten ranking. So ten was extreme danger, five mm -hmm. was standard, and one was uncharted territory because you're never in that little man of shit. <laughs> and then I had an arrow. So it's on a whiteboard. I had an arrow. I was yeah. getting Susie to shift the arrow, so I knew where I was at. Yeah, didn't last. Didn't she didn't really use it? The only time that she used it was when I'd look and the arrow had just been shifted right to the top. <laughs> straight to the straight to pissed off all the way. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. that's awesome. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, did that. I might obviously did it for for a bit of fun, but it, yeah, I was I was hoping it might have been groundbreaking. You know, it might have actually taken yeah. off. And, been useful to all blokes. <laughs> huh? Hey man, a few other little questions. Do you do you um do you fanboy and who do, who do you fanboy over? Or have you? You've met some yeah. pretty famous cats. I would say for me, um, the music thing probably gets me. Lead singers. Yep. You know, I'm I'm not. I don't fanboy over Dirt Bike Racers. Any of them, like. I was just with Ken Roxon last week and I just, I don't know why I just, I, he's a dirt biker. He's just a guy. He's just, I don't know. I, to me, well, I feel like we're all colleagues and we're all brothers in this thing. You know what I mean? So if, I don't look at them like that. Even like McGrath, I, I've always looked at them as like industry acquaintances and friends. You know what I mean? And it's cause I'm in this industry, so it's different. Mm -hmm. But for me, the music industry I look at and I'm just like, I mean, lead singer of Papa Roach, lead singer of a band called Falling in Reverse. There's just, a, there's some lead singers out there. Like if you were to say, give me five people you'd want to go to lunch with or something like that. Like yep. I always have a hard time with that question because I don't know, but I always fall back on probably singer of some bands that I like. I'd, I, I totally fanboy with it. I mean, I, I nerd out. I freaking DM, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I, yeah, I'm total fanboy over some lead singers. <laughs> it's got step. Scott, yeah, Creed thing is so out of control. It's so funny because it's like I was never like a diehard Creed fan. I always thought they were like okay, but I wasn't in the music all the way then. So they were like cool. They were like you know that band with the big hits, and now it's turned into this thing. And 
It's so it's so weird. Again, I said on the <laughs> pod, dude, he freaking follows me on Instagram, yeah. and I DM'd him and been like, "Yo, why? Like, what would make you follow me? Whatever." And there's just, he he reads it and doesn't write back. Still oh. follow. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. You can't you can't read you you can't read and then just you know, no, that's a little bit of disrespect. Yeah, I mean, nah, at least I'm sure I'm, I'm sure it wasn't Scott. It's probably his agent. It's got to be. That's what I said. It's got to be, be too cool for that, wouldn't he? Yeah, he wouldn't know. He ain't got it. He's too busy singing beautiful songs, man. He don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, yeah. Um, speaking of music, what's your um? If you had the old question, uh, one album. You only got one album to listen to for the rest of your life. What are you? What are you choosing? I'm not good with album names, but um, I mean, Linkin Park's first one for sure. Hybrid Theory. I think that would be one of my favorites front to back. Uh, I really like Rise Against first major label album. I forget Siren Song for the Counterculture. Maybe is that right? Rise Against. No, I wouldn't right? know, man. I, I, I've heard of Rise Against, but yeah, I um, I'm old school as fuck with music, so. Uh, Sorry, I'm actually going to look it up because I'm so mad. Yeah, Siren Sound for the Counterculture. It's uh, it's the third studio album by Rise Against. That's one of my favorite albums. By, I mean, top to bottom, dude, from the first, second to last. No skips. One of those two probably, or maybe both for my Valentine. Um, I forget their, what the album was called, but... Um, one of their albums, one of their early albums. So it's probably that was RH two two's answer, I think. Bolt for my Valentine. Yeah, that's that's my favorite band of all time, for sure. I've seen them live. I just saw them live. I took Evan to watch them live for his first concert. It was freaking amazing. I I they're just thrash metal band from England. They're freaking cool, man. Love them. Cool. Who's your um? Who's your hall pass? So your your um celebrity girl that's like you know. Maggie's giving you a hall pass. Like if you ever got, if you got that one shot, who's she? Uh, Rachel McAdams, uh, for sure. Always has been, always will be told, uh, told my wife, even it's not even a hall pass. I said, she comes knocking is what it is. We're just, we're done. So you, she knows. You, did you go? My as odds, far are, my odds aren't as... great. She, she knows the odds are small. So she's <laughs> yeah, cool. She literally she like, she's really good. good for you. That's, that'd be great. Good luck. Uh, Did but you no, go I, as far as telling the kids that that would be their new mum if something happened oh, to Maggie? Oh yeah, that's mama now. <laughs> yeah, I told my kids that one hundred percent. Mine's Gina Carano, who you may or may not know. She was an MMA know, fighter, turned actress. I know she is, and um, she's been my favourite for many years. And uh, I, um, she was on. Um, so my young bloke's huge into Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So he got to know who she was too, because she was on the Mandalorian yep. before, you know, shit went sideways because of her opinions. And, um, the, um, and I remember saying to him, so just so you know, like if anything ever happened to mum, um, Gina is going to be your new mum. <laughs> That's awesome. Which, yeah. Susie didn't think that was, that was funny, but she's also, um, she's very much, uh, used to my humor. So. She <laughs> and my wife knew she she knew I had no chance, so she wasn't tripping. She wasn't worried about it. Yeah, yeah, cool, man, cool. 
So uh, what have we got? We've done a uh, a uh, hour and eleven there. Yeah, that might nearly wrap us up, man. Um, couple of things. Hey, uh, this was actually an this this was an idea for the show that was um, uh, our uh, our boy Brody Richard was his yeah. idea, and he was the first one to have a crack last week. So give us your best Aussie accent. Oh, I don't know. I feel like if I just say the words mate and cunt. <laughs> That's a good start. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have the accent, but I just know that every Australian, those are the two words they call me. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, it's and it's so weird wrong. because yeah, the C word has always seemed so harsh. And then when yeah. you're around a bunch of Aussies all the time, they call you that. Oh, as yeah. Love. That's a love thing. And it's like, yes. It's such a harsh word here. Like I forget who it was. Someone, someone called me that. It might, it might have been Lucas Myrtle. I don't know. My wife was like, "What?" She couldn't believe the word. And I was like, "That's how they talk. They that's nice." Yeah, so, it depends how. It, yeah, it depends how you. Um, yeah, how you? I think is it preface it. Is that the right word? Yeah, so, you know, yeah. Because like you can be a good cunt or you can be a shit cunt. That's sort of yeah, the two. I've that's the that. that's the core good and bad. Um, and then there's a lot of other variations and also i think with aussies because we swear a lot you know um the um it's all about the tone and how things are said rather than the word itself yep you know like um it's um if there's no sort of aggressive intent um and that sort of thing it's all just friendly you know and the other thing about aussies too is like we're all smart asses and and just about almost never being almost never being serious yep. but then you know especially me like i'm almost never being serious but then if we are being serious oh you'll fucking know you know right, <laughs> so right, that's, right, a, right. that's sort of how how uh how i roll anyway and how a lot of aussies roll awesome. that's a go man all right so that might um wrap us up now man i don't know if you've seen seen or listened to the previous episodes but um Right from the get-go, I forgot to organise outro music right from show mm-hmm. one. So I had to improvise. And that's become a little bit of a thing that I'm probably just going to roll with. So I reckon, so this is show four. Nobody yet has been able to join me in for the chorus for Kenny Rogers, the gambler. And I, I reckon I reckon you might be a chance. Now, you're a bit young for the song, like the other guests of mine. Because I'm a bit of an old fart, but being a musician, I reckon there's a chance. So I'm gonna give you throw to you and see if you bring you in at the chorus. No, you haven't got it. Oh, that's I don't think right. so. I mean, give it a shot, but I don't think so. Hey, that's all right. You see how you go. So I don't start from the start because it's too bloody long. So I handed him my bottle, and he drank down my last swallow. Then he bombed a cigarette and asked me for a light. And the night got deathly quiet and his face lost all expression. Said, if you're going to play the game, boy, you got to learn to play it right. You got to know when to hold him, know when to fold him, know when to walk away, know when to run. You never count your money. When you're sitting at the table, there'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. 
Hey, you got to learn that chorus, that, I DJ. That I know that song, but I wouldn't have got the lyrics right. I don't know, but I know that song. I've heard it before. <laughs> That's yeah, all yeah, right. That was awesome. Thank you very much for joining on the show, and thank you very much to anybody who has listened. Cheers.